Good morning. It is Wednesday, July the 12th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm J.D. Walt, and this is your wake-up call. Beginning today with consecration. Wake up, sleeper, and rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Jesus, I belong to you. I lift up my heart to you. I set my mind on you. I fix my eyes on you. I offer my body as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to you. Jesus, we belong to you. Praying in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our entry today is entitled, On Theology and Taxes. Our text is Romans chapter 13, verses 6 and 7. Hear the word of the Lord. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. The Word of the Lord. Now consider this. Let's wrap up our little experiment in crafting a working theology of government, taxes, Jesus, church, partisan politics, and dual citizenship. I know some of you are thinking I might rather get my wisdom teeth extracted again today than this. Bear with me. This is every bit as spiritual as offering your body as a living sacrifice. Remember, to claim Jesus is Lord is to acknowledge that nothing falls outside of his merciful and just jurisdiction. So, Let's begin here. Paying taxes is a spiritual act of obedience to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That said, I do hate paying taxes. Number one, Jesus is Lord. Number two, government is necessary. The purpose of government, at a bare minimum, is to protect people from one another, including protecting them from the government itself, as well as from the governments and citizens of other sovereign lands. The preamble of the Constitution of the United States is a brilliant summative example of what a government constituted under God should aspire to. I include it here to illustrate. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, 
establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Many among you of my generation can't read that without hearing the schoolhouse rock tune to which we sang this preamble every Saturday morning during the cartoon hours of our childhood. To my fellow Americans among our Wake Up Call Fellowship, America has its problems, but these 52 words, with their five stated purposes, hammered out in the hot summer of 1787, hold its brilliance. It is truly a marvel. Number three, taxes are meant to fund the government. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Number four, notice that government authorities are God's servants, not by virtue of their being followers of God, which they may or may not be, but by virtue of Jesus being Lord over all governments. All governments are working under a delegation of authority from God, which means they are ultimately accountable to God. Their accountability to God will ultimately be measured by their accountability and faithfulness to the people they serve, which makes a constitutional republic perhaps the best form of government invented to date. Why? Because in the words of Abraham Lincoln, it is a government of the people, by the people, for the people. It avoids the concentration of power. Point five. Notice also when Paul says, quote, the authorities are God's servants, he is stating a fact. Whether the authorities know this or not, and whether they are acting as such or not, we think of governmental authorities, at least in the American context, as being accountable to the people. This may be true in a temporal fashion, but their line of accountability actually goes much higher. To the extent governmental authorities understand their accountabilities to God, they will better serve the people. Now, all that said, I don't like to pay taxes. And honestly, I try to avoid paying taxes as much as possible under the law. I would rather give my money to the church and directly to others in need. I don't like the IRS. I often disagree with how my taxes are being spent. I often seriously think that my taxes are being spent in ways that contravene the will and ways of God. And I live in America. How much more must it have been maddeningly difficult for the first Christians in first century Rome with its tyrannical leaders? Yet, Paul told them to submit to the governing authorities and pay their taxes. 
I can't believe I'm saying this, but if my logic holds, and it may not, paying taxes to the government is an act of faithfulness to God. I find myself on the brink of repentance. It's not that I think I'm going to all of a sudden be glad about paying taxes. I don't think that's the point. The point is about submitting to the government and its authorities in obedience to God. Might there come a time when submission to the government means defiance of God? Yes. What then? Can we cross that bridge if and when we get there? I will say this by way of warning. The most important question at that juncture will be, what does obedience to God require of us? Many will jump to this question. What shall be the manner of our defiance of the government? The real and frankly only question must be, what shall be the manner of our obedience to God? As you are already noting, those are very, very different questions, and they will lead to very, very different responses and outcomes. See again Romans 12. The prayer, Abba, Father, have mercy on us sinners, and by the grace of Jesus Christ, make us true saints. We want the mind of Christ in every aspect of our lives, personally, as a church, and as citizens of the kingdom of heaven who are also living as citizens of nations and states on this earth. We pray for our nations and their governments and leaders, for wisdom and courage, for conviction and restraint. At the same time, teach us what it means to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. And come, Lord Jesus, come. Praying in Jesus' name. Amen. The question, how do you respond and react to these thoughts today? What wisdom is God giving you on these matters of everyday concern? How might we live out our primary citizenship as citizens of the kingdom of Jesus? And for our hymn today, I hope this will not be seen as self-indulgent on the part of the Americans in our fellowship, but I would like us to sing the hymn, My Country Tis of Thee. To the Americans and to those reading from other nations, let's sing it as a prayer for this country. I do regret it's not in our new hymnal, which I understand uh, as the intent was to produce a more global document. But I'm going to print the words in the email today, and I've decided I'm going to add the, the, the verse, the last verse of the hymn from which this melody is taken, God Save the Queen, or in, in the case now the King. 
I'm going to add that last verse in, which includes and broadens the prayer. Those words are not for this land alone, but be God's mercies shown from shore to shore. Lord, make the nations see that men should brothers be and form one family the wide world over. Let's sing together. My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside, let freedom ring. My native country, the land of the noble free, thy name I love. I love thy rocks and rills, thy woods and templed hills, my heart with rapture thrills like that above. Our fathers, God, to thee, author of liberty, to thee we sing. Long may our land be bright with freedom's holy light. Protect us by thy might, great God our King. And this last verse, not for this land alone, but be God's mercy known from shore to shore. Lord, make the nation see that all should brothers be and form one family. The wide world or that's a good hymn, and you know it's certainly it's patriotic, but the real patriotism is really this it's before before you can be a great American, you must be a real Christian, right. You know what I'm not trying to say and what I am trying to say. I'm trying to say that unless we have a great awakening in this country, self-government is going to fail. Because to have self-government, you have to have unself-interested people. And to have unself-interested people, you really have to have Jesus. I'm sorry. I think there are a few exceptions here and there where people can somehow manage to pull off, pull that off in their in in and of their own accord, but you know, maybe not. I just know that things are not going in the right direction, and all the point of these fat past few days have been to say the secret to them going in the right direction is not trying to make the a Christian government is actually trying to make the church the real church. That's the hope of America.
It's the hope of every nation that the church would become the real church. So that's what we're sowing for, friends. And um, there's a P.S. in today's email. If you're a pastor or local church leader, I'd love if you go look at it. It's about our next uh, series on the on the wake up call. I'll be writing all of you a letter soon about that. But uh, let's leave it there today. Get your seeds. I'll see you out there on the field for the awakening. I'm J.D. Walt. We hope that today's entry challenged and encouraged you. And thanks for listening to The Wake Up Call, powered by Seedbed. Be sure to share this with a friend. Leave us a rating and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Find out more and join the movement by visiting our website at seedbed.com slash wakeupcall.